Well, we're back. Back in the quote-unquote studio, the Here for SR Incorporated Towers, the station of anticipation, the center of the tire model universe. However, recently we've had a shift in the center of the tire model universe. And um, I, I, less of a shift and more of an acknowledgement, maybe, on the best tire model, the, the only tire model we're talking about. Um, Gran Turismo? And, and, I mean, that was going to be my guess. GDA my Vice second City? guess was Forza Horizon. So. Oh, yes, Forza. Uh, it's, it's funny because uh, we knew it. It was... It was um, For we were lost, but now we are it's, found. It's Amen, like, it's, tale. it's like the unstoppable force of a glacier slowly moving um, that eventually we would all move on to strictly playing ACC and never talk about iRacing again. So I thought... Or Nick thought, it's the evolution of things. That we'd bring on someone who knew more about ACC. About everything. Is that true? David, do you know more about everything? No, I, I, I mean, I know things about ACC, but... Uh, is it, is it fair to say you know more than Nick? I feel like it's a low bar to clear. Like, like probably yes. a dachshund could clear the bar. <laughs> But Nick does do a lot of coaching on ACC. I'm not sure if he's told you guys that. Well, see, I was confused too because when when I heard that that Nick Foster was coaching uh, with with you, I I, th- I was like, oh, that's nice that the other Nick Foster has some gets some uh, you know the the, the, the uh, uh, older uh, fella Nick Foster, and I was like, well, maybe maybe our Nick Foster can coach there someday too. British during Cowdrava? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's who we figured. <laughs> That's who we figured was coaching. I uh, initially, when I started the coaching thing, and I had two other coaches come on, Kelvin and Jordan. I was too shy to offer it to Nick. I thought he'd laugh in my face, be like, "Bro, I'm not going to coach guys in the simulator." That Turns was a pretty good Nick key. impression. <laughs> <laughs> that was tremendous. <laughs> hey, might have spent some time with me. <laughs> yeah. it, I'm, I'm getting that impression now. Uh, no, Nick. Nick thinks very highly of all Sims. I'm I'm certain of that. He tells me that every time we're together. Isn't that true, Nick? I tell you a lot of things. Um, nothing positive, obviously. That's <laughs> it about you. Yeah, if you want to, has all the gear and no idea at the moment. So. If you want if anyone wants to hear Nick absolutely tear into me, um, last week's episode was he he did he spotted my IMSA race and uh, does review, and uh, he he pulls no punches, shall we say? My my community is often asked if we could have a Nick Foster uh voiceover thing for the race control um app what's that what's that app called oh crew chief crew chief we need a, a nick foster crew chief um, mod it would all be My bleeped community out asking about it all the time they they'd probably need some therapy after it i know i i had to go to therapy <laughs> so i can't imagine that oh amen oh man so i thought 
I thought we'd talk about ACC. I've been dodging. I've been I've been weaving. I've been trying. Nick, every week, he's like, can we talk more ACC? He asked me that every time, I swear. We need to talk about God's time model. Every yeah. week, we need to touch base on it. We've got to be all-inclusive, you know, and you just want to pigeonhole us into, like, a little pot where there's not enough people to kind of fulfill the needs that you want. So Also, as a brief aside... Tom, you changed your hat finally after mm-hmm. four weeks of abuse. You mm-hmm. finally changed hats. He, Still I, doesn't sit yeah, straight on I, his head. Though. I told you, my ear, my ears <laughs> aren't even. It's like it's like you make fun of a man. It's like making fun of someone's face, Nick. My ears aren't even, and here you That's are. That's never stopped him before. Just as an FYI. What a dick. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I, you were you were just telling us, David, that. Uh, the guy that God's tire model was, was has, <laughs> has has been has been somehow improved. I don't understand. Uh, well, yes. So is that, is that possible? In the first version of ACC, the tire only had like one. I'm going back in the history. It only had one contact Perfect. point. So, let's say you got onto a, a sloping curb, it would just be like. It could only tell, is he on tarmac or is he on curb? It couldn't tell, oh, 20% is on curb and 80% is on tarmac. So right. you get okay. these like really bad snaps and like just mm. strange physics when it initially launched. But they knew that. They just they went past their deadline that they'd been obligated to launch the game and they just launched it as one sort of point of contact. Then they launched a fix to that. I don't know how much later which had five points, and I think, and I stand to be corrected, I think it's got eight points of contact now. Anyway, <clears throat> they still had some weird quirks where you, it took forever to warm up the tire and stuff like that. They've now got a brand new uh, release, which was on Wednesday, version 1.6, which incorporates the new DHE Pirelli tire, using quote-unquote Pirelli data and everything. Um, and they've added even more physics to, to the tire model. Like, for example, now if you uh, if the tire is deflating, it creates an element of drag in the acceleration of the car. Um, but they've also incorporated this, this tire warming issue because the sidewall of the tire in this new version is stiffer, according to the DHE 2020 tire, in real life. Um, but they've also interpreted that as being more difficult to warm up the tire. So one of the things I felt in the new tire model was that it can take at least one or two laps to warm up. However, it's not like iRacing where when the tire is not warmed up, you just spin out everywhere, which I've never understood with iRacing. But um, it seems to be that at least now, like let's just say the best lap time that you could achieve in Barcelona is like a, I don't know, 42. It's going to take two or three laps before you can even get close to that. Which in real life is not the case, by the way. In real life, if your tire is is baked and pressured to the right point, um, usually it's your first flying lap where you have this this peak of grip, which we literally call the peak, um, where you can bang in a lap. Um, and both iRacing and ACC don't have that. So, so two questions. Yeah. One, does that mean that Nick's tires have never been warm? And two... <laughs> Does that so to understand this journey on the ACC tire model? 
we've gone from a 11 out of 10 to like a 19 out of 10. And right now we're at an 18 out of 10 with a stiffer sidewall. Uh, no, because in, in high-speed corners, what's, what's interesting though is that um, they've managed to take uh, the feedback of the drivers and incorporate it into how the tire is behaving, the pro drivers. Okay. So the DHE tire this year has much better high-speed stability because the sidewall of the tire is not caving in, essentially. An example is in Paul Ricard, it used to be like that our maximum apex speed um, at scene, which is turn 8 or turn 10, high-speed right-hand at the end of that 2K straight. Um, the apex speed there was between, depending on the car, between 215 to 220. And now, with the, just with the new tire, we're going much quicker. We're going 225 to 235. Wow. Yeah, just because the, the sidewall is able to take so much more load at high speed. It's also much quicker at Spa for the same reason. And in, in the game, it seems to be incorporated as well. Same thing. However, what we've lost is traction. And that's, the same, that's also true in real life. We've, we're missing traction with the new tire model. And it seems like in the game that also seems to be the case i guess what's probably important to sort of give a bit more context to what dave's talking about with the dhe is in previous years you've come from uh dhd dhd2 it was like yeah. a second evolution and then a dhe so that's happened over three four years basically and it's all been designed to create longevity in the tire and also help build um, help build some uh, stability in the rear, not have as much deg, and basically just create a less sort of a, a more direct but less unsensitive car. So always with the softer tire model, you turn in and there'd be like a delayed reaction, and you'd end up having to like chase the car through a corner. So even for like a gent, for instance, they'd have like five or six inputs on the way into a corner. And as the sidewall gets stiffer and stiffer, you start to have one input into a corner, and then that's obviously yeah. when it starts to become a bit nicer. Here's actually yeah, here's, you, here's, I, I, when, actually a quick question on, on the on the on the Pirelli tire and how, they, how they're working on longevity with the with the spec tire. Um, it's I think mostly because I've been watching so much NASCAR. Uh, Which you like, should. It's kind of it's kind of interesting when they're using a spec <laughs> when they're using a spec tire um, with like NASCAR the quote unquote good races. The 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 ideal tire for a lot of those races are like huge fall off. So I'm wondering yeah. if if like so that Pirelli change is that I guess like in GT3 racing would it would would all the drivers and teams say. A longer lasting tire is going to be better, no matter what. Um, or are they just trying to find the balance? Double stint or triple stint, but it's it's the same as NASCAR, right? If you run on like a Bristol or like a, a paved track versus a high aggressive like Texas or Homestead or something like that, then you're going to have natural deg. And Dave will Dave will tell you when a track rubbers in like crazy, like Spa does at the 24 hour then it's quite quite strong and you can run on. But longevity is more so just like also to help protect the, the car and tire as well because in previous years, we've had a lot of tire blowouts with the yeah. Pirelli. And you notice also in America and IMSA, like before they went to the Michelin, whatever tire they were on, I think it was a Continental, was quite poor. And they also had a lot of punctures, especially at like right. Daytona where you'd run like quite high camber, et cetera. Yeah, the camber, especially now the... The sidewall is able to cope more with a bit more camber, but that was that's the thing. Like 
in terms of longevity, I don't think a Pirelli has ever existed which could double stint at Spa. Because Spa, even when it's rubbered in, is still highly abrasive. And uh, the drop-off, you could probably do 66 minutes, you know, as opposed to the 120 that you expected to do. And the drop-off after that is is multiple seconds per lap. But what they're doing now is they're trying to bring, they're just trying to get it to last for that 65-minute stint. Because at the end of the day, the Pirelli's kind of modeled around what SRO wants for the right. most part. Um, but so looking seeing, at things like sprint challenge and stuff like that. Yeah, but what, Got it. what we're seeing here is is a much better peak um, out the box. So the first three laps in qualifying, for example, you can get a quicker lap time. Obviously, you need to still know how to how to use the tire. It's, it's the most difficult thing to explain because the Pirelli is unlike any other tire that we use. It's, it's so sensitive to sliding on the surface of the, the tire. And if you if you overheat the surface and not necessarily the carcass, the tire is gone for quite a few laps. You have to do a, a massively slow cool down lap just to get back within like, you know, half a second of what that peak could be. Whereas like a Michelin, as Nick experienced recently in the GT Open and, uh, you know, especially at Spa, it doesn't matter how much steering angle you put into that tire. It just gives you more and more and more. Keeps responding. It's like, it's pretty incredible. Where the Pirelli is much more sensitive to slip angle, much more sensitive to a- any sort of like wheel spin or um, just generally pushing the tire too hard where it, over the surface it overheats. It can become pretty big nightmare to to manage. And that's the weird thing is this new DH e-tire when you come out of slow corners like bus stop chicane or uh, turn one at spa you get this massive spike in wheel spin and you think <laughs> to yourself this is fair to be better but now it's accentuating the problem so like there's a whole been a whole bunch of other compromises which is actually compromised costless lap time so yes we, we're gaining something in high speed but now we've lost a little bit in slow speed where we're having to run higher tc savings just to minimize this the slip in the tire uh, to keep that sort of surface temperature in control. It's, it's, it's weird. And when I think about some of the tracks that um, the SRO GT series run at, I mean, it's a lot of medium and high speed. So yes. those tracks where it's a little tighter, the uh, it's going to be, I think, a bit, a bit spicy to watch next season, it sounds like. No, I mean, we've already been using it this year, the DHE. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah, so yeah. this is a new for 2020. It's tire. a 2020, yeah. 2020. It's a 2020 Got it. Tire. Okay. I mean, when we tested it, the first time I used it was in uh, Paul Ricard. It was freezing cold, so you don't really have an issue of spiking the surface temperature, and we were blown away by the performance. Also, happened that Paul Ricard was resurfaced at the time as well, and oh my God, guys, when a when a track is resurfaced and it's already kind of baked in, if you will. Yeah. The grip that you get is insane. So F1 was at Portimao recently, and they had like an ice rink. Yes. But the ELMS, which I raced in, was the following weekend. And when we got there, the grip, I've never felt grip on a surface like that in my life. I'm serious. It so, was just insane. So F1 suffering was really quite good for you. It set us up perfectly, yeah. So yeah, it, was I, just, it, it was just the rubbering in that needed like a yes. weekend? Okay. Yeah, I kind of needed like that. When, whenever you resurface the track, 
um, there's like an oily substance which kind of seeps to the top, which effectively right. needs to be cleaned. And the only way to clean that is by cars going around. That's why in uh, in Turkey you saw the F1 cars spinning around and around. You mix oil and water, and it they had no chance. It doesn't matter how much downforce you're generating. At the end of the day, if your tire doesn't effectively connect with the surface, you're screwed. So, and that was a it made for very cool cell phone cams of uh, people sending out rental cars in the middle of the night to try and rubber in the bizarre, track a little right? bit. I, it's not going to work with the rental car, but that is. <laughs> It's fucked up. That's on the bright side, honestly. free laps around the track. Like, go for it. Follow your dreams. <laughs> exactly. Just don't tell the rental car agency where the, where the car's been. Did Nick tell you what happened when we took a rental car around the Nordschleife? <laughs> <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny having heard this story, but uh, you're more than welcome to refresh my memory. Well, we... Okay, I mean, the classic thing, we rented a car to go... Just to get to the track, because we were doing a race there together which we won't tell you that story. But anyway, we'll tell you the rental car story. We had <laughs> two close calls of other cars crashing and we just missed them. But then, like, I don't know, Nick, a month later? Uh, yeah, not even like that. Yeah, about a month later, Nick gets a message from 6th or Euro Europe car or something. Oh, uh, no, that- I only found out because I got buddy uh, benched in Paul Ricard at the airport. Stuck because they wouldn't let me uh, rent a car. He'd been banned from renting cars from Europe Car, I think, or Avis. And it's because they have guys at the Nordschleife who take photos of every single car during the tourist laps and send the number plates to uh, the photos of the cars to the rental companies. And if one of their cars is on the track and you're renting it at the time, you're banned. There's no argument. That's it. Nick can no longer rent from that company before. So you're uh, saying Nick completely earned it. That's what I'm yes. hearing. Yes. Yeah. But it was it was a good lot. That's good. Well, that's good. good. That's good. I'm glad. I'm it glad to hear lap. that, Nick. We were uh, we were pinned. We passed a Porsche in uh Yeah, we were pinned. In like a one point four liter. So you know, right. I have I have wait a one point four what? Weekend. Like a Volkswagen Lupo or something? Yeah. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that's polo, amazing. Yeah. So um, passing people in Porsches and Apollo, that's that's very good. Uh, but we, uh, yeah, there were some moments. Some moments. That was the highlight of our weekend, because after that, it went pretty downhill. <laughs> so I guess you've briefly touched on uh, race days with Nick, but how did you meet Nick in the first place? I can only imagine the series of tragic circumstances that brought you yes. that. That's a bit rude. True, true, Nick, though. Nick and I were racing in the Gulf 12-hour. Um, and he was racing at Kessel, which is the team I usually race with. And I had been relegated to another team. And, I replaced uh, him. Yeah. Oof. And I was looking at this, this, this Aussie guy, and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Like, what the hell are you doing in my team? Da, da, da. Uh, hoping to <laughs> That's my favorite that chair. What the fuck? Hit a wall or something. Yeah. Biggest what the fuck. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we were polite and cordial. Hey, bro, what's happening? Yeah, sweet. How's the class? Yeah, right. Okay, cool. Fuck you. <laughs> and uh, didn't Sounds say much like for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were testing like a few months later at, at Monza, different teams. And <laughs> Nick, he's going to deny this, but I think he recognized me and I honestly had to take a memory check. Like, who is this guy? Um, and he's like, hey, bro, what's happening? Um and then I clicked. I was like, oh, this is the cunt from fucking the Gulf 12 Hour. 
So I was like, well, best I'd be polite. And I asked him, you know, where he lives. Oh, he lives in London. What? You live in London? Me too. Let's hang out one time. And he's like, uh, I don't know, bro. I'm super busy at the moment. It's like, geez, that, that's a bad This guy is a couch potato. That was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I don't actually remember the next time we, we met up and hung out. But that's, that's how it started. Started with tension, competitive racing drivers, essentially. So what I'm hearing is, uh, I was a nice guy and Nick... said hello, and he wanted to treat me like shit, and wanted the worst <laughs> for me. What a nice. I guy. just, I, I, I struggle to imagine Nick being outgoing and otherwise like friendly. It's it's a lot to take in for me, so I'm definitely gonna I'm gonna need a couple episodes probably to digest. <laughs> Nick is just shy, but once you crack through that shell, he's like a marshmallow on the inside. That's not what I found, I'm afraid. <laughs> you might want to check that filling again. Though. Yeah. But Nick, I don't even remember. What was the next time? I don't even know. But yeah, somehow we managed to make it where we ended up hanging out as bros. Maybe you're and thinking of the other Nick Foster. Is that possible? Yeah, the British touring yeah, car one. That's yeah. probably it's got to be. Yeah. He hangs out with like a seven-year-old ex-British touring car driver for fun. <laughs> What's I don't what? Well, why not? That's What's my that? idea of a party, boys. Uh, David, if I could, I'd like to introduce. We uh, we have on here. We here. I'd like to introduce the um the now fifth it's member of, of the broadcast. Yeah. Uh. uh this is this is this is a proper correspondent. I'm not saying you're, I'm not saying not saying you're you're not a proper correspondent. Our our man on the ground who also doesn't attend or watch the races, but Adi Pie in the sky. However, uh, I'd like to introduce proper here for SR NASCAR correspondent Maynard. Maynard, how y'all doing? <laughs> Hey Maynard, uh, so we we have uh, we, we we have more internationals on the show uh, this week, Maynard. We're here to broaden your horizons. Uh, you're probably not into that, I understand, but uh, at the same time, I, I uh, you know more. I don't know if you know this, Maynard, but more and more uh, road specialists and internationals have been driving NASCAR. You know, in the past couple decades, so I think that it would be good for everyone's horizons to you know co-mingle shall i say and you never know when one of these drivers will show up in the craftsman truck series you know well you you do know nascar died with dale so (laughs) 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 keeping a dead thing alive i guess is how it goes Uh, what's uh what's the word on the street how was the latest uh nascar race on the weekend you know, uh, I'm still waiting for that Homestead race. I got it on my VCR. I got it set to record. If uh, if NBC is going to get their stuff together, I figure they're going to show it tomorrow. But has, it, has it been rain delayed? What's going on? I, I can't find any information about it on the J-Ski. Yeah, that's weird. On the J-Ski. David, are you familiar with the J-Ski? Oh, but the lingo's killing me already. <laughs> three minutes in. <laughs> It's just it's what it's hip. I know what a VCR though is. Okay, sure. It's those remote control cars, right? Yep. Yep. That you use with your iPhone. That's this. See, that's that's the kind of thing that I'd expect Maynard to say. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if if David is actually Maynard's long lost son, and you know we're just finding out on this pod. So this is basically so. Maury for race cars. Is Maynard Jewish? Oh. 
If he was, I would know. He'd be in in this inner circle already. Huh. I'd be introducing him to you guys. Ah, this is true. Interesting, yeah. interesting take. David, do you watch? Do you watch NASCAR? Mm. There was a period where I watched every single race. Ah, about hell yeah, a long bro. time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. These days, that um, sounds like just like Maynard's life. He so stopped like, watching a long time ago. Wait, so, look, you can't you can't watch that that current product they got because this is garbage. <laughs> Actually, I want to understand why why NASCAR is is becoming less appealing. Uh, Seriously, please, uh, Maynard will tell you all about it. So, shower with me with your knowledge. Well, and your opinion. all right. So back in the day, they had them. They had them when real men raced. Exactly, yes, yeah, sir. It, you could die in NASCAR, <laughs> and <laughs> nowadays you can't die you in NASCAR. Die. And no, that's it. Na- that's really it. Okay. Too safe. So the removal of death really, really Stop detracted from the product. Oh, yeah, that's. I what almost I'm had a spit not, enough, not enough renegades left in the series. Who, who's left as, as a renegade? Kyle. Yeah, kinda, okay. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Actually, David was just telling me off air before we came on that Kyle Busch is one of his favorite drivers. He said that he is multi-talented across different disciplines. Well, yeah, that's two, the same. Two-time champion. <laughs> I'll tell you this. That's not what I remember. There's only there's only been one driver in the past couple of years that came to my home oval track here about 15 minutes away, and that was Kyle Busch. Finished sixth, but hey, he showed up. On a dirt dirt track? No, no, uh, late model, super Rental late model. Cards? Super late model, oh, okay. yeah. Uh, brought, he okay, brought so the, I won't tell you guys the, who my favorite driver was then. What? I'm going to tap out of this one. Was it Shane Van Gisbergen? <laughs> Has Shane done <laughs> NASCAR, Nick? No, number three, no. baby. Race Hill, Um Juan Montoya? I don't know. No. No. Jimmy Johnson. Jack Villeneuve? Oh, Jimmy Johnson's great. Maynard oh. probably doesn't oh. like Jimmy Johnson, though. Well, that's the point, yeah. There's, 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 only, there's only one seven-time champion. See? It's Dale Earnhardt. Okay. Race Hill. <laughs> He's the original. Should have had a NASCAR oh, quiz. Again Wait, already. is he the original? Oh. I thought... Richard Petty was the original with seven, no? Well, <laughs> you don't count his cheating championships. Yeah, I'm not. We're not. We're not counting. Now, half of them or more be cheating, so we don't count him as seven-time champion. Well, how do you count uh, the championship that Dale won when Mike Skinner was on the sidelines with injury? When he well, was Dale was the best, wasn't he? He no. was the best. Mike was he leading the championship. Them. He was the best that showed up and raced. <laughs> Oh, look, it's Tom fucking up OBS again. What are the odds? Yeah, how good. I'm here for it. <laughs> that was David's fault. That was me. I had to miss. I had to reply to someone See? on the phone. See? Sorry. Thanks for taking the fall, David. So what year would you have been watching peak NASCAR? Peak NASCAR Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, well, the thing is, because it's where I grew up, we only got NASCAR in like the late 2010s, I suppose. So, so when is it? When is it that you? Uh, so you mentioned where you were. It was maybe a little bit more difficult to watch NASCAR. Where did you grow up, David? Cape Town, South Africa. Oh, so oh. you you know you must know Bubba Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he doesn't come from Cape Town, South Africa. Well, he he African American. Yeah, and he's in the is. South, so he's South <laughs> African American. It tracks. He got you pretty good. Well, I'm trying to mount my phone somewhere so that I checks out. Stop moving around. Checks out. No, I think it's good. I think it's really added. What about this? Maynard, I think you've broken Nick. Now in Nick's toolbox. (laughs) Nick is dead. That's what happens to Mexicans sometimes. You break them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. You you don't want to. Nick is also from the South. What happens? Yeah. Yeah, he knows. That's what Maynard said. Yeah, from Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) It's way down. (laughs) Me and Nick, we we had plenty of conversation about that. Oh, my God. Uh, David, you've seen the the photo of Nick wearing the big sombrero, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nick Nick went through a phase. He's been through a few phases, but that was I witnessed that one. What phase is he in now? The well behaved phase. No, but that's the dad. It's the dad bod phase. That's not true. He's, yeah. Well, he's I been mean, living in a cage for the last couple of months because of quarantine. You know, uh, but uh, when you let him out for too long. And uh, his girlfriend doesn't keep him in check. Uh, it gets pretty wild. That's when the handlebars start to grow out and all that shit. Well, he doesn't allow he us to vibe check him, so he can only David, you, you of course know the ever famous picture of uh, Nicholas standing on a cliff uh, with a Dale hat uh, and the Stetson. My handiwork. Yes. Yeah, that was one of his finest moments. It's been I, down I thought so too. Then, by the way. I, I, well, the following day was the Coda twenty four hour, which I mean, we know how that ended. So I would, I would agree with you. Uh, 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 what time did he go to sleep? That did he sleep that night? Before uh he... more or less. Uh, I mean, the man, you, the man's, uh, he can hear you. He's right next to me. You want to know where he is? I'll show you, ladies and gentlemen. He's behind those screens. What a cave. We're really, Jesus. We're really, yeah. uh, we're breaking the fourth wall. I mean, the third wall. Yeah, Which we're breaking the fourth it? wall. So look at this, guys. I mean, he's kitted out. It's got the PlayStation yeah, really 5 is. there. It's got a spare screen. He's got a 3D printer for fucking God knows what. He disgusts me. Um, <laughs> it's got his electric scoot up there. Should we? Should Yeah, I mean, that's for mobility, and with those triples, you don't need mobility anymore. The mobility comes to you, right? Yeah, check that pedal set, though. That's out of control. Exactly. Out of control. And have we talked about the wheel yet? I mean, we haven't even talked about the wheel yet. Yeah, Nick, let's do a wheel Oh, the wheel's coming. Okay, so there we go. Wow. I mean, the pedal set was the first thing he invested in. And then if we sneak up over here, (laughs) the big reveal of the wheel is that a precision <laughs> sim engineering gpx yes when when you when you pull on this trigger here your fucking fillings fall out i'm telling you yeah it's very <laughs> it's super intense what feels better uh the paddles on that or the paddles on the 488 hmm. i would say that the paddles on this feel better there yeah. you go heard it here Mer- first ladies and gentlemen Marinello, call your boy. Probably costs the same though as the whole car, you know. No, the 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 four eight eight wheel is fifteen thousand euros. That's it. That's uh, fine. That uh, so for reference, Nick's current wheel costs about three times as much as my first car. <laughs> and my current car. 
Yeah. <laughs> Next wheel cost about 3,000 euros. So it's five times cheaper than a 488 wheel. So, That's, so uh, by comparison, <clears throat> absolute bargain. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's Deal basically for free, as my brother would say. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You know, Hard to argue. All these race drivers, <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what. It's it's actually uh, I don't roll like Mick though. I got a Thrustmaster wheel. Really? Though no, from which, which, uh, one? which one? The uh, TGT, which is actually well suited for Gran Turismo sports, but also is PC compatible. So that's what I use. See, you hear that, Tom? He can beat you on a Thrustmaster. You don't need to upgrade. Uh, tons of people can beat me on tons of things, Nick. It doesn't matter. <laughs> The second, I mean, the second uh, best sound in the world to that is Tom's soul breaking. <laughs> uh, you have to be on iRacing for that, to hear that, though. So, Well, Tom, if you're looking for someone to beat in iRacing, you can just invite me to a race, and you'll probably lap me. Okay. So, okay. There's still time to fix that, David. We no, can, we can, we can set you on your path. No. I've given up hope. Manny's, I, other... Manny's uh, opening up a website, Coach Manny, for iRacing, so he can help. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm beyond help. The other day, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a proper try. I'm going to spend the whole day in the, pro- in the P2. Um, I forgot which track I went to, and uh, I think I could string two laps together, and those two laps are like 10 seconds off the pace. The rest of the time, I was just pirouetting. So, so, so what? Uh, uh, hey, I almost hate to go back into seriousness here, but uh, what what's so different Let's about it for you? To me, there's just no feeling in that game. In, uh, in what you're getting it, back from the wait, wheel, or what? A game? What you know, game? <laughs> no, <laughs> he knew what he said. <laughs> he called it a game on purpose. Uh, the old games. Um, no, I don't <laughs> oh, cut. cut his cut the mic. <laughs> cut the mic. <laughs> Guys, they're all games. Um, no, uh, I just, I have, good. That sound, one, that is, sound you just heard was Tom Soul breaking again for the second time in three minutes. <laughs> Honestly, I like the. I mean, yeah, guys, I don't know where to start with my um, my uh, love and passion for eye racing. I just, you know, just I, I can't. And it sounds like we, time in this we should uh, shower enough praise on it. Nick, we're going to have to bring on Sockling as a bonus guest next time we have David on. Uh, to talk about iRacing? Yeah. Well, we'd, have to, we'd have to mute his microphone, wouldn't we? <laughs> well, I actually, actually, it, it is sort of, uh, it is kind of interesting because um, being a layman who's never driven a real car in anger. Uh, how I describe or an i racing one? How I not even not even your like soccer mom van that you drive the kids to work in? No, I like I've flown while discussing a, lizard anatomy. I've <laughs> we can't talk about this here. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but but, but really, I I I've tried a few sims now, and I at least like in my hands, I feel like I feel the most in i racing. But it just be it could be because it's feeding back certain things that wouldn't be in a real car. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but I, I actually, well, I feel, I feel like how you described iRacing is how I feel about a lot of other sims. Yeah. So if you guys want, we can start to go down this rabbit hole. Let's do it. Let's do it. Alrighty. I put my boots okay. on. Oh, Let's my. go. Okay. What I've learned. Better have another I mean, beer, guys. Been involved with the sim racing malarkey for 
many decades now is that the sim that you tend to grow up on, uh, you sort of develop like a muscle memory and nuances and almost reactions and a feeling for how the car moves, which gets installed in like some system in your body subconsciously, which you don't even know. But now you've got like this iRacing OS, let's say. And no matter which sim you cross over to, there's such a steep learning curve to first sort of forget what you would expect from the car to or how how that car will behave based on your muscle memory that you've developed from let's just in this case use i racing as an example i haven't seen any sim racer or real racing driver who's been a massive i racing fan cross over to let's just say for this case acc and go wow this feels amazing it's always this feels horrific and it's the same when acc players cross over to iRacing or, or R-Factor 2. It's the same thing. Like, What's wrong with the braking here? Um, I can't feel the car at slow speed. I just think that we tend to take for granted how much of the uh, sensations that we interpret are assumptions, okay, based on our muscle memory that we've just spent so much time in a certain game. I've never developed that, that feeling for iRacing that a lot of my friends claim to, to have. To me, it feels completely remote and numb and right honestly for me and you know it's actually the same in, in acc to to some extent except for the front engine cars but i've never felt a car move around and slide so much as i as i have in i racing i haven't felt that in real life ever um and to me it's if you look at any outlap of any person who plays i racing at least one in ten times they're spinning somewhere on yeah, the outlap. That's with, fair. Uh, and you don't see that in real life, even with bad drivers. Um, and it, I don't know. The, the, Mahavir and F2? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, but you've given me one example. I can give you hundreds of iRacing drivers. <laughs> um, the, the thing that iRacing, I think, has taken is that they, they say, okay, driving a car is hard, and therefore this game should be very hard. But Nick, don't deny this, but driving a car in real life, especially on hot tires, is not that hard like of course to get within five seconds let's say is very difficult but to get up to five seconds i mean we've coached some bullies some pretty bad drivers who've gotten to that level um really nick's got me to almost 3k road i rating so it's proof that with enough time and something anything is possible dave put a lot of effort into me just to get me to a level where i'm you know capable of staying on the track (laughs) (laughs) that's not true no, Nick has it's, great feel. Honestly. If I'm going to slow it, smoke up his ass, he has got great feel. Aww. So, so, um, so what, the, what you're saying is that there's probably a lot more difference in sensation from sim to sim versus anything that you could transition from in a real car. Like even if the if even if you had been running Pirelli in, mm-hmm. in the GT3 or I don't know seasons worth and, yeah. and then you you moved series running a different tire say in a different car uh that sensation you think would still be closer or less less needing to relearn yeah as like as yeah. as ever you could move even from sim to sim sure yes, i mean yeah. I, that makes sense Do you know I the guess... biggest thing that i've seen um when some when people 
switch between sims is the first thing that they complain about. And it, it happens no matter whether it's from ACC to iRacing, from iRacing to R-Factor, from R-Factor to i it doesn't matter. It's always I, I, the breaking that people, is the first thing that people complain about when they switch from their diehard sim to a, a new sim. Ah, oh, the car won't stop. And uh, that's when I started to pay attention to, why, why does everyone say that? Because if you're used to all three of them, the car definitely does stop. Yes. Um, but it's, it seems like that is one of the first things where there's a different, te- there's definitely in iRacing, you can't just slam the brakes. No ways. That thing, especially in the Ferrari GD3, that thing's going to spin. You're going to die, 100%. Yeah. That yeah. thing's going to do 180 so quickly. Whereas in, in ACC, it doesn't spin, but the car will not feel like it's slowing down until you get used to the game. In iRacing, at least it feels like it's slowing down, but then there's this weird locking thing that happens at the final phase of braking. Trust me, that does not exist right. in real life. Usually in real life, you'd, you'd lock the fronts and just keep going straight if you're going to lock right. something. Right. Uh, whereas in, in ACC, um, they've tried to interpret what ABS feels like. And I would say that the assumptions are 80% there, but... There's a ABS, lot of nuance in that 20%. Yes, and in, in, in an ABS car, the, the, the effect of your trail braking, in my experience at least, is actually more uh, detailed than, than a, a non-ABS car. A non-ABS car, you still have to trail brake and have incredible finesse and feeling, but it's, it's like a non-linear thing. If you look at the brake trace of a non-ABS car and you look at the brake trace of a pro, it's not like a, a steep peak and then a straight line down to zero. There's points in in the the trail where they're going back on the brakes coming back off and almost managing the locking themselves whereas in with an abs car the more linear you are on the way down the better the car is going to stop as you're just trying to sneak under the abs as soon as you get back into the abs especially like in a slow corner when that thing fires that's it you're understeering off the track and that's where <laughs> where acc has exaggerated too much they Sometimes the ABS stays engaged, if you will, way too long where you just you go past the corner because they're simulating when the pedal, if you brake in your road car too hard, the pedal comes back at you, you know, um, and sure. we, you can't feel that in a sim. I haven't driven even the, the million dollar sims don't have that that feeling where the pedal wants to kick back at you. Uh, and it looks like ACC exaggerate that feeling a bit too much. So So, it's interesting you go into the difference between sims because, um, so from a layman's perspective, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is really the only sim you've poured time into, right? iRacing? What's that? Is that fair to say? Sorry, what is it? This is the only only sim you've really poured time into, That was a lot of information that poor Dave Uh, just poured his heart into, and you won't even fucking listen. I was listening to Dave. I just shut off when Manny started talking, you know? Uh... Well, let's see. I probably only have like ten hours in race room and fifteen in our house too. Maybe you could have just said yes and saved us the hassle, but thank you. No problem. So, um, for reference, uh, as a as a layman, I was a bit of a controller bandit on Gran Turismo before getting into iRacing, Um, and I was actually. Yeah, of the controller users for like uh, GT Sport in like season one of the World Championship, I was I think top five controller users um, for the season that I went like full sweat. And when I realized that it wasn't going to happen without getting a wheel, I was like, "Well, yes, that's that's my life wasted." 
And that's kind of <laughs> when I started getting into uh, iRacing. But I guess from a layman's perspective, with a decent amount of time in Gran Turismo, Forza, and uh, iRacing, and a bit of ACC as well, I'd say that for the everyday person who strictly races on consoles, I think that Gran Turismo of the console ones best replicates the sense of weight transfer that I yes. I feel in a car. And then um, Forza on the controller has probably the best feeling brakes. Like when you're yeah. when you're pulling the trigger uh, to slow down in in Forza, you can feel exactly where the car is going to start locking the up. The points, yeah. Yeah, That's it's, interesting. it's really cool, but I fucking hate driving on Forza besides that. So it's really a shame that they've gone through the effort of making that bite point feel really tactile, and then you have the rest of the game, and you're like, Then oh. the rest is going wrong, yeah. I have a very <laughs> unpopular opinion that, well, I'm probably the only pro racing driver who thinks that Gran Turismo did a good job. But the fundamental thing about Gran Turismo with the wheel, GT Sports on PlayStation and 4, yeah. is that people are like, oh, but it's such an unrealistic simulator, and, and fine. You know, it, let's call it a simcade. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, um, that's fine. But to me, I, I, my argument about games like Gran Turismo, and this is actually, by the way, this applies to almost every sim, is that it gets the basics right. The car understeers when it should, and it oversteers when it should. Um, sure, you can argue about traction and the way it, like, it spins at certain points. You're not going to hop understood. off Gran Turismo and hop into a you know GT3 car and be on pace. That's never going to happen on any sim. No, but... To be honest with you, if you came from, okay, again, this is just my opinion, but if you came from iRacing, you jump straight into a, a GT3 car with ABS, the first push lap, you're probably going to miss T1 because of the way that you have to brake in iRacing, which is very delicate and like, whoa, feel the car, feel the rear. Whereas in a GT3 car, you have to push the pedal through the firewall to get it to stop and then start to trail <laughs> off. And you would definitely, if you, when you push that pedal for the first time with that kind of force, and you just came from iRacing, racing, you'd think that you're spinning out, hundred percent, hundred percent. But they all have these little nuances which are frustrating, which don't trans translate to real life, um, and that's why you get like these massive disparities in lap time, for example. So that's another thing when people ask me, well, you know, I want to know what lap times you're doing in real life, so I can see if I can do them in the sim. If you just put the fear factor aside, just put that of aside. Of course. The, Which the, is huge. The, it is huge, but only initially, I think. I really think that. A, a pro racing driver, and there's many. There's, there's you know, if you look in Blancpain or what is, what's called now, GT World Challenge, is like, how many, dude? Like, at Spa, there's a 60 cars, three drivers minimum per car, 180 drivers, of which like 120 are earning money that weekend. They're not scared of Spa or Eau Rouge. Um, the, humans learn how to adapt and manage all levels of fear. You know, if you put someone from 200 years ago in your car and you just did 60 miles per hour, they would absolutely shit their pants. But for you, you feel like you're going slowly. It's because we always adapt to that sort of thing which is creating a threat to our lives. If we expose to it enough, it becomes normal. Oh, and it's, you just touched on it then. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. you talk too much. Anyway. Um, you touched on it then about... Uh, drivers coming across the pond from gaming to what they would feel in real life. What's your feeling on sim races 
to real race cars. And I know you know a few guys who have made that transition this year, but in the history of, let's say, programs that have lived throughout the world... Um, GT Academy probably being the best known of them. It's only mm-hmm. a handful of... Quite a lot of guys that have come through that that have made it work or made it stick. So yeah. what's your feelings on it? I mean, you don't need to... Well, everyone has an opinion, but it's not so much that. Like, what's your feeling? Why hasn't it worked? Why is it working for some guys? Um, you know, you probably know quite a lot of these guys and, and know the nuances more than anybody between the two, having sort of had that background yourself as well. Nick, are you talking to me or to Manny? No, you. Uh, Manny doesn't know okay. shit. Why would he ask him? <laughs> yeah, fuck. Fuck you, the, Tom. The guy that hasn't even... Jeez. He's been on the service for like 10 years and hasn't cracked 3K. Like, fuck me. <laughs> okay, so... So, my story was... Um, I did karting and then I had to stop uh, to try and make money to come back to real racing. So, during that time, uh, which was a seven-year gap, I was just trying to save as much money as I could. And I was... I'm not joking. I was using Gran Turismo to... Uh, Gran Turismo 4 or 5. Um, to try stay sharp during the time. And I actually took part in the GT Academy um, in 2010. Um, and for me, it, it helped a lot. But again, there were some nuances that I had to figure out. The, the reason why I don't think a lot of... When the sim races cross over, because Gran Turismo did bring a lot of sim races over, but only like three or four actually made it. I think if you look at that ratio, I think it would be the same if, if you looked at the ratio of carters who become circuit races um there's just a massive cultural issue as well like trying to understand the culture of racing which nick you know is it's pretty brutal um because it's not a meritocracy you know it's very much who you know how you behave outside of the racing car which defines you as becoming a professional um and a lot of people aren't able to first of all they can't make that connection uh and for those who who do eventually make the connection a large percentage don't kind of accept it, uh, that it's not about your speed. But I think that if you do have good feeling in a sim, there's a very good chance you're going to have a good feeling in real life. Um, it's often not down, though, to your ultimate speed or lap time. It's like how you behave under pressure. Um, you can't crash when you're trying to become a pro. Crashing is not an option if you don't have a big sponsor or you're paying for it yourself or if if a gentleman driver is kind enough to cover a portion of your budget, um, you know, after the second crash, you're out. So you have to learn how to drive to a certain margin, um, which is if you're not taught that, or if you just come from sim racing where, you know, there's a restart button, yeah. um, that, you know, you won't last very long. And I've seen, I've, when I got into GT3s in 20, uh, 2016, um, there was the GT Academy was still running and they still had some races coming over and too many of them were crashing. That's for sure. So you, that's why you only have uh, Jan Mardenbra, uh, Lucas Ordenius and uh, there was a Ordenius actually ended of... up with a podium at Le Mans, didn't he? In the, in the PCU. Oh, yep. Ordenius is, is a seriously, he is <laughs> bloody good. Same, same with Jan Mardenbra. Maybe they're not the ultimate exceptional example. Yeah, I'm still of racing, racing in driver. Super GT, I think, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's you brilliant. Ask Nick to race at GT 500s. That's no joke. Super Formula as well. To get to that level, you you can't suck. I'm sorry. There's just no ways. Um, and for sure, he, the you know, in the case of Jan, he had the connection 
of uh, Nissan behind him through GT Academy. It doesn't matter, you know. Nissan have had many drivers in their pool, which they could have chosen. They chose some guy from Britain who'd played PlayStation his whole life. Absolutely. Uh, the reason why not many sim racers go on to become pro racing drivers is because not many amateurs go on to become pro racing drivers in the first place. It's just a question of, you know, the averages and the numbers. Um, but can a sim racer be quick in a racing car, a real racing car? Oh, absolutely. We've seen it so many times. But the more time I spend in racing, the more I'm starting to recognize that being fast in a racing car is not the unique thing. There's so many people who this year alone just got, you know, won races and got pole positions and think they're driving God now. And it's like, well, cool. Join the queue, you know. Ask the trophy <laughs> manufacturers how many of these trophies they have to make each year. They don't get sent back. That's for sure. So No, and to your point, it's kind of interesting to think about uh, some of the, uh, just thinking on F1 in particular, for example, some of the fastest, I would argue, some of the best, fastest drivers in the world who have come through uh, in the last decade, Sutil, Paul DiResta, Kobayashi, um, and now Sergio, depending on how his seat situation pans out this year. Speed is not the only factor by any means, as you've so elegantly no, you know, pointed it's... out. When you do a, a GT World Challenge race, if you, you do the race at Spa, or if you watch GT Masters, the top 30 are within like half a second of each other. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, half a second is nothing. Yeah. It's nothing. And it just so happens That's to too be bad that, corner exits. Yeah. It just so happens to be that on that particular weekend, you were half a second off. But if you had that same race the following weekend, instead of being 40 seconds, you'd probably be top. It really is like... If you don't get the Pirelli tire in its window because the team didn't cook the tire correctly or, you know, they went with slightly lower pressures, but the, the qualifying was delayed five minutes and it's now darker and a little bit colder, that that will cost you positions as well. It's, I, don't, I don't know how else to explain it to, to, to people who don't get it, but I, I always have to explain this to sim racing drivers who are hot lapping specialists and they do this phenomenal lap time uh, around one track with a billion, trillion, zillion attempts, you know, at the perfect, perfect, perfect right. racing line and a perfect sense of timing. Um, you know, I think that is one factor in real life that we see more is that if you've come from sim racing and you're used to getting a billion tries, uh, real racing that doesn't happen this year at spa the first time i drove the car <clears throat> in the spa 24 hour was at night in the in the wet quali that was the first time the week the whole week because it just so and happened watching that, that quali it was sketchy yeah and by the way we had to relearn a track which didn't exist before because they opened up the track limits so it became this really weird dynamic it was still cool it was a cool experience to just dive straight into quali at night at spa where you, you don't have an excuse. You have three laps to just, or four laps to, to, to do what you can. But uh, that doesn't happen in, in sim racing. I have, I run a sim racing um, company and one of our websites is league racing. And if the server, the practice server is not set to the same conditions as the race server, they lose their mind. They lose their fucking mind. Well, that's actually... had people leave the community because it's like you had so much rain in the practice server and now in the race it's not raining once it's like well yeah that that's racing bud. That. yeah we said it that way this is unacceptable i spent my whole week practicing you know adaptability <laughs> is 
<laughs> it's a key factor in becoming a Absolutely. Driver. There you go, Tom. That's directed straight at you. Oh, I'm, I'm doing a mad setup for my 10K race today. And uh, <laughs> yesterday they said it's baseline setup and they fucked me because I was flying on my open setup and I was so fast. <laughs> and now I'm qualified 10th because I put 70 hours into my fucking setup. <laughs> that did happen. I want it to be known that never did I complain about it publicly, although I did absolutely. Well, well this is public abs- now, boy. Absolutely complained about it. We were in the to, rabbit to, hole to, and to, to Nick and Matt. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's just like, it's one of those things that's going to help some guys hurt others. But I, I think the point that you brought up, uh, David. Uh, what I, at least when I think about it, when I think about someone who could, um, anyone who could possibly move from sim to real life, uh, racing, it seems like the guys who are, who can do, who really excel at like a LAN event, because it almost seems closer to something where you'd at, get it like an actual race weekend, you know, because they go somewhere, mm-hmm. they have new equipment, they go somewhere, you they know, don't know what they're yeah. going to get. I mean, that, that, yes. that kind of skill seems like, a transferable skill but however even even what i'm doing working full-time the amount of practice time that i do and i'm not and i'm I'm not a professional sim racer so like my time Mm -hmm. is much limited compared to those guys but even my time is is many times more than you'd get at any real race weekend i mean many times more i think it's good and 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 two uh, second factoid here guys uh one of the winners of GT Academy actually grew up in my hometown of Elk Hill Lake, Wisconsin. Uh, Which one, Brian? Which one? Uh, Nick Common. Oh, yep, I remember him. Yep. I know Brian. I don't know Nick though, but there's another Nick that won from America, right? Who are the three guys from America who won? Uh, Nick Common, Nick McMillan, Steve Nick McMillan, Doherty, okay. and Brian. Yes. Nick, yeah. Nick McMillan is uh, who I was thinking of, um, who I think might have been the year that uh, Barrett made the finals. Um, one of the drivers on our team actually made the uh, GT Academy finals uh, sometime back in their early 2010s. Made it all the way the to 20, Silverstone. In the, the 20, I think it was the 2010 one that I took part in, that you had to do, um, you had to do hot laps at, around indianapolis in a nissan 350z road yep i remember stuff. that one and, yeah. and they released a special demo for it because the full game yes. wasn't out yet yep yes. i remember that one and i i think there was a million people who took part and i finished fourth i made it in, to on, on the leaderboards and somewhere in the 300s invited. i think yeah i made it I was, to somewhere in the 300s i think i wasn't invited because i came from south africa so we weren't an eligible nation and that's actually what lit the fire under my ass because two years before that, I'd stopped the karting thing and I was like, oh, okay, it's fine. But I figured, you know, if I can finish even in the, t- if I can finish in the top 10, even if it's a hundred thousand people, uh, maybe I can still be a, a racing driver. So I'll give it one more shot when I can. It's less um, of a, it's less of a, um, point one way or the other, uh, really. But I do think it's, it used to, we talk about different sims guys not being able to transition from sim to sim uh this is i I don't know if if everyone knows this but the the big nascar heat league you know there's a big Mm -hmm. pro league it's 
I don't know, a bit, lot of cash. I don't think it's quite as much as the iRacing Coke series. But any of the Coke drivers on iRacing are actually banned from qual- trying to qualify for the, the Heat League. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why, why is that? I think they just don't want them in both. Uh, but you, okay. can, you can go the yeah, other way. Yes. You can go the other way, though. So a heat driver okay. is allowed in. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay, that is interesting. It's so, getting more and more like that, though. I think that's going to become more common, by the way, as these uh, prize pools become bigger and bigger and the stakes get higher and higher. Because that's actually, to me, a prime thing that's missing from sim racing, which raises the game in real life. In real life, we have much more at stake. The fear of crashing the car and injuring yourself is not as great as the fear of crashing the car and losing your job. Yes. Nick, am I right or wrong? Uh, Dude, you're not afraid of hurting yourself. I've seen you climb mountains and shit. Yeah, no, I I'm, I race to win. If that means hitting someone or something, then sometimes it happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but, I ask me about it every every fucking time we're at Talladega. There's me in the wall. Yeah, oh, yeah, Nick yeah, wins. Yeah. But, the, but, but Nick, I there tell must you be... time and time again, if it's between me and the checkered flag, and it's you, you're gone. <laughs> and, it, and you know what? I'm happy to do it to you, which means I'm happy to do it to the bloke next door to me that I don't know. So this is true. You difference in, you semi uh, in like racing me. to real so. racing. Yeah. Yeah, the reason they, they call me Dirty Dave is because I was taking my real racing habits and bringing them to sim racing. And they're like, you can't fucking race at this. I was like, what do you mean if there is a gap <laughs> that is half a car with... My car is going there. Like, let me be very I clear. maybe fit. Of course. What are you doing leaving a freaking half car with open for? In real racing, of course we go for that gap. I've heard that. Before, it's funny. Yeah. There, uh, there was actually a situation today in the Corvette Championship that uh, Tom mentioned, where they were racing for the equivalent of ten thousand dollars. That um, the gentleman who led almost the entire race uh, through what ended up being basically a late half block, where he didn't commit to the block early, and by the time he'd committed, the other guy was already inside. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean. If you wanted to close the door, you should have closed the door. Should There's have done no... it properly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's I understand a, that's why. a big thing that Nick has yelled at me for over and over again. I think yeah, the time, commit. The don't, time don't that hesitate. snapped him, uh, I was racing in TCRs at Lime Rock, ironically. And I, th- I threw a late block into turn one where I was like half like straddling the middle, but not really defending. Mm-hmm. And then I turned in, the guy's already there. I sent him to the Shadow Realm. And. Uh, Nick and Nick just yelled at me for like 10 minutes for being an absolute spud. But uh, look, Speaking of spuds, uh, <laughs> Maynard, you ever tried to qualify for the Heat League? Yeah, Maynard well, to Crossman Truck. I want to see it. I actually, I actually was just about to, to put in here. Uh, since we talk about NASCAR sims now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to ask that. I want to ask that. Our African guest here. Ha- have you ever played the best NASCAR, Sam? I-, I bet he ain't. Is this the one at the arcades? I bet it's. Uh, I bet it's not. It ain't. It ain't in no arcade. It's in my living room right here. But oh, I, I don't know if it's been arcade anyway. <laughs> listen, no, listen, here. listen here. NASCAR Thunder 2002. Oh, uh, 2003 that was, was on better, PC. Bro. Yes. I've, no, 2002, I remember. I played it on my PlayStation 2. Which, but look, look here, look here. 2000, 2002 was the best because the theme song was Leonard Skinner. That's how you know it's a good thing. 
You know, Leonard Skinner was actually from my hometown. He grew up like 15 minutes from where I lived. If these long if, guys grew up in your hometown, was it Nick as Nick the Gran Turismo guy, Leonard Skinner? That was, that was, that was if, my hometown. I'll race him. Yeah, that was Tom. It was the other I'll white race, guy, I'll not me. I race him had Leonard Skinner. I race him would be the best NASCAR sim. Okay. There you go. Okay, I could see it. I could see it, Maynard. I'm kind of. I want to know when iRacing is going to upgrade its graphics. It's interface. Oh my god. Uh I will say if you've tried it well, Nick doesn't have a good enough graphics card yet until he gets his thirty ninety. But um once you see it with uh HDR and all the bells and whistles on, it looks quite nice. Mm-hmm. For a two thousand and what seven game? Not I, like two thousand sixteen, let's I, be let's be kind. I actually don't think okay. I don't think it looks half bad. Um I don't know. Uh, it's not like it's not F1 2020, but it's not bad. Oof. No, but you also don't simulator. drive through the gross to go faster. Yes. No, you do that, do that in iRacing. You do do that. In <laughs> you gotta, you gotta cool the tires, man. Oh, you gotta cool the tires. Well, they fix that now. But I remember for a while there was a thing that the Coke drivers would do, where they would, for their Q lap, they would like try to go through some part of grass somewhere to. Because they want the they want the they want the core really hot the tire but they want yes, the they want the, the carcass surface. or they want the carcass yeah. hot but the surface cold so they try to cool it somehow and they <laughs> they, they 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 put a stop to that and then they fixed it too so it doesn't work that way anymore. but I remember they at one point they like would like act like they like slid and went through the grass yeah it was a thing that happened genius well so actually you know that's the thing it's like you know every sim has its flaws like that so when people used to give me hell for even how dare i even turn on my stream with gran turismo on the screen you know i was like well all of the sims get something wrong there's an exploit in all of them the whole point of sim racing is get is to find those exploits and like maximize them as much as possible doesn't matter which uh which sim you're playing well, that's actually you could say you could say a lot for a real racing. Go ahead, Nick. Sorry, sorry. I'm sorry, Manny's talking over you, Nick. He's fucking ass. Unbelievable. I usually don't have much to say, and then really, when I've got some insight, you go, "Fuck!" And just talk over the top of me. <laughs> Not only is this Stop shit unprofessional, I only have to deal with you fucking idiots as well. <laughs> Nick, you know, if you want, you can go back upstairs. You can turn <laughs> into the card. Yeah, leave us, David. We already got the t- talented <laughs> half of your house. So. <laughs> Nick, what were you saying, bro? Uh, no, I was actually going to say about tires, like what you were talking about with the Coke stuff. Like the same shit happens in real life when you're on a wet tire and the track's drying, driving the driving the grass to keep it cool so you don't blow the thing up. Well, well that's because Nick's looking for the water in the in the grass. Well, no, well seriously, seriously. Zanvoort, Nick, you were like way in the water. Like Dead when the track was drying, right? The grass. Yeah. The camera yeah. doesn't catch it when you come up over the hill. Um, but yeah, just go straight to the inside and drive on the white line through the grass to try and cool the tires because you know that if you get them over a certain pressure or temperature, that they'll explode. Well, so I actually, it is it is kind of funny. I guess I have two, I have two questions. One, the first question, uh, and maybe the longer of the two. So yeah, with, with like, with the uh, IRL stuff, I mean, there's probably like you know weird things are have been done or found to go faster. I mean you know maybe not driving through the grass to cool your tires, but set up things, odd, unusual choices that might work. 
uh, it just so happens that in a sim, it's like hacky because it's a game and we're like breaking it. And yeah, I, I, think, I understand there's I think, like limits, but you know, I think I a lot of times. I think on games, like things are a lot more exploited because the physics are very set. So if you yeah, find like yeah. one or two, like a common, it might not be Edge one thing, it might be a combination of like one or two things that just really work. You know, in motorsport to an extent, like everyone's doing the same shit to try and make the car go faster. And the, the, theory is there for everyone and maybe people apply it differently like there's no two ways there's no one way to skin a cat um but um but you know people go about it differently and then it works for people in a different way depending on track conditions and and type of tires well the sim too they have a million laps to try whatever stupid thing they want exactly exactly i think my favorite sim exploit of all time has to be from the coke series this year the daytona setup where it was uh, the Carolina lean setup, where you had the rear slammed and the nose in the air because iRacing doesn't account for uh, front drag resistance. Well, oh, really, I found I found one in know, ACC. They all, they all had that oh, yeah. setup in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead serious. In, in ACC, they actually, um, they did that. Actually, is a thing that uh, set up, that that really happened actually in NASCAR. They if you if you look at like a qualifying, there's a qualifying video. I don't remember the year, but they the, slammed the rear and raised the front. Front was all popped up. Yeah. In ACC, I found an exploited spa in the Ferrari where, if you ran the ride height like square, let's just say 55, 55 front and rear. Hang on, let me take the, some notes. The, the less wing that you ran, the faster you'd, the more. Yeah, you the faster you'd go in the corners. Uh, which you have not fixed because obviously I told so you, you, that, ref- you, re- you you would reduce okay. downforce to corner. I ran faster. zero wing. And the beauty was my competitors were asking me like, oh, can I use your setup? I'd be like, yeah, sure, here it is. And they'd immediately look at the setup and they'd see the wing was on one or zero. They're like, this, like no, it's a meme setup. setup. Yeah, like, yeah, I was like, no, no, this, this is it. And <laughs> it's calling bullshit. Um, in real life, though, I would say the only thing which is like still very much like a black art, because keep in mind, we have tons of data. And, you know, mm-hmm. let's say if you race for Mercedes, Mercedes send data engineers who have collected the data from all the cars and pretty much know what setup to run. But what you, what you can still find something in is in the tires and, you know, how, how hot to cook them, how long to cook them for how to position them in the tire oven you know do you stack them on top of each other do you put them lay them across uh, and then the pressures you run relative to how you bake them um how you do the outlap those those things are still pretty secretive so when it comes to tire science betty crocker is more useful than engineering school black arts it's yeah you know <laughs> i often wondered Nick, this is no joke. I, I often wonder what the tire engineers from Michelin, Pirelli, Goodyear and stuff are doing at the racetrack. Because the thing they tell all of us all the time, they're listening to you, they're listening to the feedback. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, what, what tire pressures are you running? Okay, yes, yes. And your camber? Okay, okay. So what you need to do is reduce the camber and up the pressures. That's standard, pretty standard. <laughs> yeah. Standard. What? I, 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 we had one guy who used to work at uh, Ferrari. Uh, Nick, you know Matteo, yeah. And he moved to Pirelli, and he moved from Ferrari because he was bored. I was like, "Dude, you go, are you crazy?" Yeah. And two two years down the line, he's like, "I'm committing suicide. It's so boring." Because same thing, they listen, listen, listen. Okay, yeah. It sounds like what you need to do is you need to re- 
reduce the camber and up the pressure. <laughs> does does GT three have a have a max camber? Yeah. Well, not necessarily, but no, there's like no, guidelines. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, I mean, but there are like some series that have max camber. Like F one has max camber, right? They have they have a hard yeah. limit. And if, the I'm thing is, sure. like, we all know. For example, let's just say, um, like the Goodyear in ELMS, you shouldn't run over three point six camber, negative three point six at the front, just because it'll but in, disintegrate. It, it it literally does, yeah. Uh, on a long stint, you well, we've had numerous tire failures this year, but in qualifying, we jack it way over. We go closer to say negative four, but we know we just use it for two laps, um, and then yeah. But on that, it depends on the compound as well, because yes. we do it in the prototype, and depending on what type of tire you run, like what compound, you mm. can tear the surface. So you get if you if you do a quality run and say you're only planning on doing two laps, or the tire compound is soft, or it's a little bit hotter than it's meant to be because the the compounds work in different temperature windows for track temperature. If you run like one extra lap because you got an off track, or you know blah blah blah, whatever something like that, then you run that tire in the race. You tend to have like uh, blisters that are actually more like holes. Holes, yeah, just exactly. start, like it, like a whole chunk of rubber will just fall off and you'll have like literally a hole in the base of the tire and then the carcass basically explodes from the inside out like a hernia like the bubble just comes up and bang you blow the tire and it's just from purely overheating from too low tire pressure too much camber or too much toe it's interesting yeah. that you um bring that up because i know that in i racing real recently they you can now have a tire failure if you run it too long you know, with, I've never with seen too one, much. but yes, I've, but that's, I've seen it. It, it tends to possible. be like that's a percentage thing, right? So pretty much, yeah. Like, yeah literally, it's like you, get yeah, yeah, a, right. you get to a percentage yeah. and then it'll go bang. Right, but so but you I, can't quadruple. But a I, I wonder if they're if they're considering. I wonder if they're considering, um, eventually, you know, expanding that to because I think uh, really like you see it a ton in NASCAR where they push the camber limits because how many tire failures they have in NASCAR yeah. all the time, uh. And so people say that that's like a big thing that's missing from the sim right now. Although I do wonder if like the the main it becomes so random and people would rage. Well, that, rage. that's the kind of thing. I don't know if it's good for the the majority of any user base in a sim to have to know mm. when the tire, well, like how far can you push a tire? Because that'd be very frustrating for a huge majority be, yeah. of the people. Well, I, I mean, think I think sim racing like, yeah, sim racing is done. I think like particularly well. Okay, we're based in the iRacing world, so ACC. I can't comment on too much other than no, we're switching, Nick. We're moving. Big now. events. I don't know if you're yeah, moving. The intro. Going to yeah, yeah, we're tire. moving. Okay, we're God's yeah, yeah. now. <laughs> He's okay. got it. Um, but like, if you set up the car like really aggressively, then you have a lot of tire wear, and then you have to pit. Like for instance, like some of the stuff that we've done recently in the prototype, like we're able to double or triple where some people can only single. Um, because of the way cars set up. I mean, that's sort of halfway there. Taking the next step is not a massive jump, but to kind of calculate that, can you imagine what it's like to calculate tire deg? Let that's alone just to, just to say, oh, okay, well, now we've got tire deg, but just throw in a random failure just because you can. Yeah, go on, Tom, why don't you do it? And essentially that's what's happening in real life because sometimes it can feel random. Some, You know, this year... Goodyear really, really struggled in ELMS at resurfaced racetracks because the grip levels were just so high. They had this tire wasn't developed during those times. This tire was developed during the times when racetracks weren't being resurfaced. Two years ago, let's say, for example, it was just Paul Ricard that would get a resurface. And you only have one high speed turn there. 
But so just, what, was know, the steel band failing each time because it was pulling too no, much? It's, it's kind of like the, the join between the, the surface and the sidewall. That starts to tear slowly but surely. Okay. And then the, the surface starts to peel away. Um, the vibrations and stuff when it happens is unfucking believable. I wish I could explain it. And you're like, is that pickup? Is it lockups? I didn't lock up once. And you're starting to really think like, did I lock up at some point? Like, I'm pretty sure. Oh, my tire's coming apart. That's a relief. Yeah, the tire's just delaminating. You definitely spun at one point, though. I did. Thanks for that, Nick. (laughs) 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 That was its uh, final round of the championship. But we had tire failures the whole way through the championships. (laughs) That was brutal, Nick. Fuck. The last race you're going to point it out to him? I know. I was brutal. I haven't gotten over that. Oh, what were you saying um, about Barker? Yeah, so, I look, he's not here to protect his team, but um, I know for sure that the Michelin tire has a much wider working range on cameras and pressures and stuff. And they came from WEC for the final race of the year and ran on the, the good years at Portimao. Um, and every single team at Portimao had a tire failure. But it just happened that their car was getting them, like, we'd get, let's say we could get a tire to last for 30 laps. You know, it was very often on, like, the 28th, ish lap you'd get a tie failure so we were pushing it one or two laps too much um, but the the ben barker car was getting tie failures like after 10 or 15 laps because i'm pretty sure they were jacking that thing completely on the side of the tire and just could not cope so that was a bummer it was it just goes it just goes to show like i i think it that actually ties in really well with the shit that we've been talking about in terms of like what you know right whether you know acc or iRacing god's tire model or the the garbage that america spews out like um (laughs) but like if you come from a championship where they use x and you roll into another one like like golf uh ben's been on pole at two or three different rounds like he's rapid but they were they were nearly on pole a mile he was three tenths up in pre-qualifying or final practice yeah. or whatever you know what i mean and then they roll to different championship with a different tire with no testing and like changes everything they're nowhere like really they were nowhere and they're having tire failures and how do you put your thumb on something that you don't understand like that's i think that sums everything up to a t yeah and i mean if you can imagine that if you switch sims you probably do it like two weeks in advance and you're like oh shit i'm gonna put the hours in here but for example uh golf racing came to portimao they had Thursday, and then it was quali on Friday. Oh, Saturday. That's it. You know, they probably had two or three hours on Thursday. If you take out the the bed, the break bedding process, the outlaps, the inlaps, fifteen to twenty laps of the gathering data. There's no ways you're gonna. You first of all, no one's gonna tell them about the camber issues, and you know, they'll listen to what Goodyear say. Goodyear will say, "Oh, you know, reduce your cambers and up your pressures." They'd be like, yeah, well, fuck. <laughs> "We hear that from every single one of you." So. It's very rare that you actually listen to that until you get the kind of Except the that you were guys. God bless them. Yeah. Plus, so, you know, four hours. Uh, they got to give their yeah. AM driver. It's effectively prime racing, so you got to give your yes. AM driver half the driving time. You take yeah, out yeah. the important stuff like data, breaks, which all your pros do. Your pros doing fifteen laps, twenty laps before yeah, you roll between. into qualifying to learn something. Yeah. So I'll does tell that... you guys that um, yeah. Does that when I mean I'm just kind of curious how much of that you said that guys aren't other other people aren't gonna aren't gonna tell them about that like oh yeah the Goodyear you know I'm I'm wondering how much talk there is between teams and how much um, 
reasonable. Uh, how likely do actually. they pull uh, pull like an engineer from another team? And before you answer that, David, are we allowed to talk shit about Goodyear in front of Maynard? I don't know. Maynard, you tell us, bro. Doesn't NASCAR run Goodyear? Well, Goodyear used to be good, but nowadays <laughs> I ain't so sure. Now they're having a bad year. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what? Here's terrible. here's the thing though. If you ever if you ever let Maynard spot for you, I've done it a couple times, right? So, uh, and this this might go over David said. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, in the late models, um, in I racing, okay, uh, it's a D class, so there's no cautions. Okay, we're all we're all clear. There's no cautions on yeah. the, on the late model. Uh, it's so you 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 never stop. But mm-hmm. but every time well, that ain't every true. every, every that time ain't true, every God. time Maynard spots for me, uh, we get about halfway through the race, and he's, got uh, it, he Pitt. goes he goes we got got to come in for four new good years. Fresh rubber, yes sir. Every time, oh, is that around the time of the competition caution? Uh, if or only the end, if only the end, the end of the stage. Please, the stage, let's not talk about stages, please. <laughs> I'm so sorry guys, for interrupting how crazy you. Is this? No, it's all right. Um, we were racing at Monza. Um, in between, when the tire came off the car in the stints, in the race, um, we were literally taking the, the tire off and cutting it up and doing it like an autopsy before we prepared the next tire so we could tell you know, what type of pressures we should be running and stuff like that. How intense is that shit? You have a forensic scientist on staff. Forensics, yeah, so yeah. who was who was looking at yes, it and making decisions? I'm not decision. joking. We had a tire engineer with us, which was like, yeah. "Okay, I need you to take off the tire. I need you to cut this part over here and this part over there. Bring it back to me. Those two pieces. I need to analyze it before preparing the pressures for the next." He's thing. got a spectrometer in the trailer. Amazing. Jeez, it's so sick. That's cool stuff, man. That's like, yeah, I like shit like that. I mean, that's pretty interesting. Imagine so returning to to your first question, Tom, which was pretty interesting, uh, David, how, how is it uh, the I guess the tire engineer uh, information sharing for teams that come you know to the grid for like golf where they've been running another series and then they just pop in? Does no one let them know what's going to go on with the tires? It's like you're on your own, bud. Good luck. Uh, like ask ask Tom the same question. If they weren't running their uh, fixed setup on the weekend and he was a second clear of everyone, would he tell everyone what he's doing to win 10k? Uh, no, I mean I wouldn't be wouldn't be sharing sets. Depending on if I, you know, I think you definitely make a, and it might be this might be the same answer that that you guys are about to have. But um, there is an we advantage. do have an interesting situation in in real life. I mean, there is an that. advantage to culturing that kind of relationship so if someone asks for information uh unselfishly i mean or rather selfishly i i i may help out because that comes around someday but comes around yeah yeah yeah. but But we have a situation in real racing where let's maybe not the top top tier engineers but at least like the guys that's below them are freelancers who bounce between the teams um and very often they take information between uh, the teams. And it could be, let's just say, I don't know how to uh, illustrate this example. Let's, but let's say in the case of Kessel, they, they will use a freelance engineer for their GT3 program um, and have their regular engineers for GT3 and GTE. 
So when that freelance engineer is at a GT3 race, one of the GTE engineers will tell them a story about what happened at the LMS. And then it just so happens that that freelance engineer races with Porsche in GTE, and he'll carry that information along with him. So will he have context, like full context of the whole setup or what was going on? No, but he will know the story, for example, where in the case of the Ferraris, we were blowing, we were having left rear tire failures. And we knew that in the case of the Porsches, they were having front, front left tire failures. And we got that information from freelance engineers who happened to be skipping between the teams. And at another event, which was unrelated to LMS, that, that story just came out. Um, but in terms of like the actual details and how they set up the cars and all that stuff, you will never, I mean, even for Nick and I, we, you know, depends on the engineer, but you're not going to have any context. Sometimes, you know, for example, we'll, we'll know where the roll bars are set or what the wing is because we can see the wing adjustment, but we don't know what else is going on that creates that the reason that we're running that roll bar or that wing. It's quite um, common with engineers, particularly good ones, that they won't even really tell their drivers what they're running. Yeah. You'll have an, because you'll then have an the idea. driver will know and could do it without them? Is uh, that the idea? And particularly yeah. like in our case, um, you know, if you they're a very good engineer and they're a manufacturer engineer or they're permanent with one team, like particularly in GD3 racing, for instance, like yeah. take me for an example, like Dave's maybe in a different situation where he sticks to Ferrari and a couple of different teams, but he's still switching between two Ferrari teams, which often race against each other. Yeah, think they don't about, tell me anything. Yeah, and then think about me. I drive for different manufacturers on different weekends. So, you know, I'm like, it's same as what Dave's talking about with the concept of uh, a... Um, of a freelance engineer, the same concept as with a freelance driver. You know, I can walk yeah. away from from this weekend with iRacing and learn everything I need to, and then go to ACC and go, ah, iRacing's doing all this shit, and then yes. come back to iRacing and go, ah, ACC's doing all this shit. You know what I mean? And it's not to say that there's a level of professionalism within the sport, which you know, there a lot of it is, and for sure, like I would never say anything that would hurt anything. That anybody. would detriment, yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. And also put me out of a job for being a dickhead. Exactly. But, uh, but, you know, it's not to say that it won't happen. Yeah, like the case here is like, oh, we, we were having left rear tire failures, but it, the engineer won't say, yeah, because they were running exactly this level of camber. It's like, no, no, we had left rear tire failures and it was happening towards the end of the stint and the driver's a wanker anyway because he was using too much curb. You know, oh, okay, cool. Nick. So we know. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> But uh, um, like, engineers will never give us context. Like, Nick and I have worked. I mean, the one team that Nick raced for, the guy wouldn't tell him anything. Anything. Nick would say, "Oh, I think I need to go. I think we should be going soft on the robot." He'd do something completely different and wouldn't even tell Nick. He'd be like, "Yeah, we went soft on the robot." That's so. So what? It the, seems very counterproductive. No, I don't understand exactly. Yeah, I mean, it always always depends, but like. Think it's this maybe is, more of an ego situation with something like that, or no? I think um, it's a combination of things. That first of all, from the outside looking in, you hear these stories of racing drivers, like let's just say Michael Schumacher would engineer the car, you know, or some bullshit like that. Um, and then you think, and you, or in the sim racing world, like you do your own setup. Yeah, sure, maybe you're given a good baseline, but you'll still make some small tweaks of what you think will work and everything. The attitude in the real racing world is like, dude, you are literally, your job is to drive. 
I'm the qualified engineer. I know how the car works from an engineering standpoint. Tell me what you feel and I will know what to change. But don't tell me what you think should be changed because you don't have the big picture and I'm not about to tell it to you because you're going to take it to Team Z over there. Yeah, um, and then you're going to so kick we, my ass with it next weekend. Yeah, so m- most of the time we, we just simply have no context. And if you try and fight that, the engineer just, they won't engage you. It's very simple, especially in you, if you're in like a three-driver team in an endurance race. If you push too hard, it will be like in their heads, they're like, cool. Well, for the next race, I'm giving him the bed. He, he beds the brakes. He does three or four push laps. And then for the rest of the time, I'm putting Jason in the car. You know, and you're screwed. Then you just sit there. You're not doing the quali. You're not doing any laps in practice. And the first time you do any proper laps is in the middle stint, <laughs> which is the stint of like the slow pro, if you will. That I always you... did in LMP2. Oh. Well, the thing is, also, if you're not established in the team, like in Nick's case, he was going to someone else's team, a gold driver's team, who wasn't him. Um, you're also given that shitty role. You're given, you're never given new tires in practice. You're given a minimum amount of laps because the pro is going to do, he's going to do the quali sim and he's going to do the long run. You just, you just wait for your stint. That's essentially what you do when you well, in that role. Time shift. Yeah, and <laughs> that will happen if you break someone's balls at, in the team and they have control of the the, the run plan, or if you if you're fresh in the team as well and you haven't. The hardest thing is to try and break through when you come to a new team and you're fresh. And everyone's still learning what you're about. You're never given a, a, a true opportunity to prove how quick you are. Never. Because you never have the new ties or anything. So to break through from that, to say, like in Nick's case, he is quicker than uh, Mary. You need, like, everything has to align where, you know, you have an amazing stint. Which Mercury has to be in retrograde, you know, all, it's all, so all nine planets difficult. have to be lined up. That's one of the d- most difficult jobs is when you're called in and you're desperately like, trying to make a name for yourself or something. And you're like, oh, yeah, cool. We need like fast silver or whatever or backup gold. And you just know. It's like, well, how much effort am I going to put into this thing if I know for sure? First of all, the gold here is super established. He's always going to get the new tires. I'm always going to get whatever he's given me, which is usually like some flat spot, a piece of shit. You know? <laughs> And, and you, then you're going to have to go and make it rain. And then you, you don't match his pace. And they're like, you know, he's really struggling. And Nick is just nowhere. Or David's nowhere. It's like, well, oh, yeah. You and gave me 100 kilograms of fuel and the use set. When I race with Dave, I always put him in in the middle of the day when it was hot so I could drive at night. Oh, brilliant. Night. We both did a nice stint. We both did a nice stint. Pro move. That's an that's, I, that's an iRacing move. If I've ever heard of it. That is that is a pro gamer. That's move, like for the endurance. That's like for the endurance yeah. series race. I was like, yeah, I'll take the first in. It's like dawn. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, it's dawn. Twenty five seat track time. No sweat. All well, good. I'm like half a second up from everyone else. Yeah, what's cool? You guys Dave, We did give Dave the pro driver qualifying. I was Q two, bro. Oh, sorry. No, I was Q three. You're right. And I did deliver. I'm just gonna put it out there. But anyway. <laughs> Of course, uh, you well got done. the goods, bro. <laughs> um, guys, I, I had an experience this year, speaking of um, unestablished drivers, when ever the, we had one stand-in driver um, with us, and he was obviously trying to make a name for himself and everything, but every time he was in the car, <laughs> my engineer... <laughs> 
would open up his emails and start checking his emails. <laughs> and you'd just see, okay, he just did another lap. He'd enter in the lap time and then he'd go back to the emails and read emails. That's and incredible. Go, hey. He's like, what's the run plan here? Browse through all okay. of his Instagram models on his phone. And the then, Doom boom, scroll. eight laps in. Okay, box, box. And he's in the car. It's like, Jesus, this is brutal. <laughs> Because when you are in the car and you're trying to do the job, you're like, whoa, I wonder what they thought of that lap. <laughs> you know, they know that I'm on 60 liters of fuel and like fucking 200k tires. <laughs> you know, other guys checking Outlook. It's, it's brutal, brutal, brutal. Uh, I mean, you get those really good, you know, like coupon, like close coupons in your email. You got to be on top of it. You get exactly. 24 hours. Especially the Black Friday deals, you know, ah. got to be ahead of that shit, man. Is Coach Dave doing Black Friday deals? Get good setups? About get, good, get good coaching with shit coaches? I thought about it. Yeah, let's but, put those uh, wheels on yeah. sale, huh? I've, I already get co- uh, for a complimentary coach. Well, it's not really complimentary. There is an exchange of services there. But um, I already get it from, from one of his coaches, so I'd love to see what an actual professional would do. No, no, no. You get, you get Team Foster <laughs> coaching services, which are like a lot of fucks being fired in here. <laughs> For Dave, I do Coach Dave like service level. You know, yeah, it's a little good, bit different. Pro level. Good Christian content, yeah. Exactly, it. yeah. Christian content. Exactly, yes. All you have to do is watch his streams. To be honest, though, uh, I think that Nick, yeah, he's probably a better coach than I am. When, but that's why he, I give him most of the sessions he says anyway. He lies. It's true, hundred percent. He knows I own H4SR, and I'll ban him from the stream and i'll wipe him off the face of h4sr if he says he'll be doing me a favor if he does that (laughs) (laughs) uh it's true nick actually does own the domain uh it's unfortunate really yeah it's it was an accident it just kind of happened that way yeah what hang on a second i need to go check this out i'll be right back it's here for sr.com oh we've broken the stream ah got Oh, so good! I love it when this happens. What happened? What happens when I when I exit the all, stream? No, no, the, no, no! Oh, it's good. All, it's that, it all good. it all shifts so once. Uh, all guys, shifts do, do you want the good news or the good news? Good, the good one, the good one. H4SR.com, a four-letter domain. Ah. No, here for SR. Fuck that! I see. <laughs> No, but what he's saying—he's offering an alternative domain so we can oh, buy our way out of okay. this shit contract. Well, it's too late because I just bought it. So, bidding war starts now. Bidding <laughs> oh, war starts. What a disaster! Now. Yeah, this was this was horrible. Uh, uh, thanks for a, thanks for bringing me on the stream, guys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been ninety minutes plus. Uh, Tom actually wants to ask you a question. So. Here for SR with Maynard as our on the on the ground pit reporter, we're looking at getting into some commentating. I think we do quite a good job. We have a great team. Uh, we'd all obviously be suited. And I'm a very pit. talented Ferrari GT3 driver. Are you I guys was serious? until he turned his. Are you serious? Yeah. So uh, Tom Tom was going to put a business proposal so that we uh, run a couple of uh, the sim grid events for you. Fucking ace. 100%. Yes. There you go, Maynard. I need commentators all the time. Maynard's I'm got serious. his first job. He hasn't had one in like 15 Maynard, years. Maynard, you've, you've done is, some pit reporting. It's, right? a big day for, it's a big day for Maynard. Guys, but the thing is, you'd have to endure ACC. 
which is not so, that's fine. such a bad no, that's thing. not enduring it's got that's, pretty good camera angles that's, that's uh, have we have we ever talked about the fact that i actually like playing acc i don't i what? I, I don't think i'd ever yeah <laughs> we've never covered this i fun. actually i like it you it's fun it, i enjoy it. driving on nice. it it's not something that i'm gonna pour a lot of time it's into but i enjoy it when i get on it well, now, Manny when and I Sundgren starts to races. have ten thousand pound, uh, uh, ten thousand uh, dollar prize money, then maybe you should. Yeah, Nick and I have had some cracking races on ACC on baseline on the on the baseline. No, wait, hang on a second. Nick Foster, did you say Nick Foster ACC and race in the yeah, same the sentence? British yeah, German, the British Yeah, absolutely. Guy. British German Bit- car, BMW special. Oh, fuck, yeah, of course. Yeah, Jeez, you got me excited <laughs> for a second. My grandfather. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah, my grandfather. Okay, so let me. Let, I just wanna. Okay, I just wanna uh, finalize this. This little. This. Um, Is this, this verbal? On yeah, this verbal transaction we're having. Uh, so, um, so you we for, pay up commentators you, as well. You foresee. You foresee. I just want to see. Like, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. You know, myself and Manny, the kind of the color guy, the color guys, uh, and we have Nick. Excuse as, me. Has, Is that a racial I mean, comment? The color token guys. on the stream, but like. <laughs> Well, not anymore. We have an actual African here, so it's perfect. We're ruining. We're, you're ruining this this transaction. I feel like in like two years from now, I told this to Nick already. When I'm rising, running for president of something, they're gonna be like, "Well, we just dug this up." <laughs> the white Nelson, the white Nelson Mandela. <laughs> just, just imagine, no. imagine cutting away to Maynard, uh, down, getting the hard takes from. Uh, <laughs> The, Guys, the, the I'm not grid. joking. We're trying to set up a, an American um, league for on the sim grid. Yeah, I'm not joking ACC. either. Why? What makes you think that and we're a joke? What? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why I would think that at all. Uh, no, no. I, oh, guys, it's done. Please. Honest, honestly, yeah. We'll, DM? Yeah, we'll we'll commentate the shit out of a race. It'll be fun. And then I've, we'll I give you, you that one race way. trial period, and then you can decide if you really want to continue. <laughs> Nick's crying. You guys have got the American track done. Nick, yeah. we need someone for Australia. So what Nick... makes you think we're a joke? <laughs> 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 Nick's just sitting over there in tears. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be a good Twitch clip later. I tell you what. Yeah, it's gonna be excellent. Uh, I think. I think we should go. I think we should probably end on that before we delve back into something lower oh we've broken the stream again that seems like a good time to hey! uh, oh is that is in that the chat uh living in the fast lane offers to commentate for free in a foreign language no one understands stop undercutting us i'm gonna ban you yeah that's th- that should be in in the band phrases i think uh all right i think anyone have anything else i think we should we should bail no i think i think uh we should Thank David for being kind enough to come on our very shit program. Yeah, uh, I, hate, I enjoyed it. I hate to oust Nick, but you know he does this like every week, David. I know, <laughs> but um, if you if you do need a replacement driver, please, anyone I, will do. I'll take Mike Skinner at this point. Oh, Mike Skinner's <laughs> the OG he's renegade. Good. He's very good. Why are you okay. dunking on Mike Skinner? Yeah. We need to replace him for Manny next week, I think. Look at that. Uh, I think we found a better token. (laughs) (laughs) Brutal. That is where we're ending this. Ladies Uh, and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching. 
Until the next one. <laughs> <laughs>